Hello everybody and welcome to Kane and Rince Sound of Play 32. Oh, 
as you know by now. Hopefully, with Sound of Play, we bring you an eclectic fortnightly mixtape of some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 32 is sometimes we like to extend uh, uh, an invitation to someone from the Kane and Rince community, and that's what we've done with uh, Tom Quilfelt. Welcome, Tom. Uh, well, thanks, Leon. Uh, very nice to be on. So the reason I uh, extended this invitation to you was because uh, I can't remember exactly how it happened, but uh, you joined up the forum at some point recently, canarince.com slash forum. Um, and I can't remember if you posted in the, the music request folder or something like that, but I noticed or you or you said quite quickly that you actually, uh, you were a, a musical person and you uh, actually had a sporadic music video games music blog. So it felt like you were uh, someone after our own hearts in this regard yeah so i've been listening to kane and rinse for quite a while really love what you guys do with the main uh, podcast i've actually been putting off listening to sound of play episodes because i can't listen to them in the background no, i'm always right. listening to podcasts on terrible headphones and that's no way to listen to to good music selections so uh, yeah i've been sort of following on twitter and and having um uh, interactions with you guys and then i i finally got around to joining the forums and it was actually the witcher 3 um because jay put me onto the witcher 3 oh, i yeah. decided to play that instead of fallout 4 as my big final game before my baby arrives um and <laughs> it was in the witcher 3 part of the forum i think that i sort of mentioned uh, the music and that i did a uh, blog on on not just game music but film music as well Congratulations on Thank the <laughs> on, on the imminent arrival. Is this the first one? Uh, it is, yeah, yeah. So okay. my 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 video game playing. Will, I I just anticipating it going completely, you know, down yeah. the toilet. Uh, so It'll I take a to, hit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. And you have a new job coming up as well. I know. So well, it's uh, it's quite a, quite a year shaping up to be a, a big a big year in the life of Tom. Yes, thank you. Um, it, so so just with the the music stuff uh, I used to be a musician I still am but I, I used to do a lot more music classically trained on the cello but then got into rock music and and folk on bass and piano and all sorts of different stuff um, and then more in recent years uh, after actually getting into the music industry which funnily enough kills uh, one's passion for playing uh, in some ways mm. um, I started listening to more and more soundtrack music and obviously my love of video games meets my love of soundtracks and and I like to blog about that and uh, and get some thoughts down yeah um, and so your blog can be found at uh, scummandeville.wordpress.com yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, can you explain the name? Uh no, uh, it's just a stupid high school thing that I used to write on my pencil case. And then when I eventually sort of thought I should be blogging, I should be doing something to kind of, I don't know, join the community in some way and get my thoughts down because I was doing all of this soundtrack listening and weird curation of stuff in private. And I thought, well, this is a complete waste of time. I should be sharing this with people somehow, even if it's two people who read a blog. So I couldn't think of a good name. I didn't just want to put my own name at the top of it. So I remembered, yeah, what I used to write in my pencil case in year eight uh, and just thought, yeah, that's a good enough pseudonym. Sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, so we've already heard one of your selections. Uh, we opened the show with uh, something from Dragon Quest Eight: Journey of the Cursed King. Yeah, I just absolutely uh, love that, that piece of music. Um, it's right up there with the finest of classical music. I'm sure a proper classical music fan might sniff at that, but um, 
uh, Koichi Sugiyama is is the grandfather of Japanese video game music. I think he was one of the first to have his pieces played in concert, um, and now sort of Nobuo Uematsu's mm. more famous for that now, I think, and uh, Kenji Kondo. But when I first heard the Dragon Quest Eight, I think it's the Northern American European version, the English language version. They had a full orchestral soundtrack, which wasn't on the original Japanese one, and it just it just blew me away that because uh, mm. it was a lush game anyway you know they had the, the full english voiceover it was just a real yeah know, charming package um and this is the 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 best piece of music i i think from that soundtrack and it, and it really sounds like uh claude debussy who's a famous uh impressionist french composer from mm. the from the early 20th century it, it's just stunning yeah love it yeah so sugiyama's yeah 84 years old now real uh a real veteran of yeah. uh, of the scene. Um, yeah, Dragon Quest, it came out here. I think it was the first uh, European release of a Dragon Quest game officially. It was Dragon... It was they, they didn't even include the number in the title because that would have just confused the issue to people who weren't aware of the series. Um, I remember Dragon Quest Seven being a massive deal elsewhere in America and Japan, but this, became, this came out as Dragon Quest Journey of the Cursed King. And, yeah, it got a full-blown um, English-language localisation... Um, you can still find copies of it around for PS2, but more recently it's come out on um, Android and iOS, I believe. But perhaps uh, more excitingly for me is that the uh, 3DS versions of both uh, 7 and 8 are coming out in 2016. Um, hopefully they'll get, they'll get similar localization treatment to to that ps2 game did back in 2004 mm. and maybe something like nino kuni showed that there's sort of maybe you know there's an audience for that here yeah absolutely and yeah the continue continuing success of certain uh jrpgs and, and rpg series so yeah uh looking forward to that it might take some months if 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 it's done in the old style where the japanese version arrives and then sometime later once all the all the european languages have been taken into a <laughs> uh been dealt with uh, maybe we'll get it then but um fingers crossed now, in between Tom's uh, selections, as usual, we're going to hear from uh, some of our, the rest of our community's picks. Um, people who have posted over at canarince.com slash forum in the Sound of Play folder. Um, nothing from me this time. You've heard enough tracks from me, uh, although I'm sure I'll pop up with selections from, from time to time on Sound of Play again this year. But right now we've got one from a new contributor known as Epi. And Epi says, I would like to submit the track Thus Spoke Brooks from the game Catherine. And the track's by Shoji Meguro, uh, famous for composing the music in the Persona games. Other translations uh, call it Alzo Sprach Brooks, uh, but I chose the former because it's translated that way in the game. Uh, the track is the smooth and jazzy theme for the stray sheep bar where the cast spends most of their time. It really sets the mood for this quiet night in a peaceful bar and really makes the atmosphere feel friendly and simultaneously lonely. <laughs>
So that was Thus Spoke Brooks by Shoji Megro, and we have a Catherine podcast coming up, and that will be issue 210 in a couple of months' time, uh, at the time of recording anyway. Uh, I won't be on that one because I got horribly stuck halfway through, <laughs> um, or horribly fr- horribly frustrated, I should say. Um, but we've had that game requested uh, to be covered quite a few times, and a number of our team have completed it or have pledged to um so they will get through to the end and not watch most of the cutscenes on youtube like i did <laughs> tom did you play Catherine at I all i did yeah I, I really loved everything about it except the actual game which was fine yeah um yeah all the trappings uh, you know the the animation the the music was fantastic and surprising and the, the story was really interesting it's just it's just so much as with a lot of, I, I guess, um, Western people's favourite Japanese games. There's just so much personality in there. But mm. the, playing the actual game feels like a real slog with that one. Um, I, I can imagine that kind of puzzle game only appealing to a very small set of um, sadis- you know, people who love that kind of sadistic stuff. But uh, I just stuck it on easy and just got through it. Yeah, I, I did turn it down too easy to, to get halfway, but um, as much as I love certain puzzle games, I found that one particularly frustrating. It seemed uh, it seemed rather harsh, and uh, and yeah, I didn't, I just wasn't enjoying it enough. But uh, yes, as I say, uh, some of the team will be playing it through to completion for that forthcoming podcast. Now, uh, your next pick, Tom, is from uh, another JRPG, and uh, this is from a game that's perhaps. I think it's fair to say much maligned uh, in some quarters for its uh, kind of rather rigid and non-linear gameplay experience that it offers for at least the first 25 hours anyway. (laughs) Um, But there are certainly elements of the presentation. Every time someone says that, it goes up uh, an hour, you know, it's got 20 hours and it's 22 (laughs) hours. uh, Yeah, you may be right there. I've not actually played it, so. It's not great. It's... uh, yeah, I mean, the well documented what went wrong with the development of of that game and sort of Final Fantasy fans. I came in at seven, um, so ninety seven. So I missed four and six, which are people's sort of favourites. And then I guess I I was I was a fan of Final Fantasy games as the decline was taking place. Um, mm. But Final Fantasy thirteen, um, what was good about it, uh, as with most Final Fantasy games, is just some exquisite. Uh, artwork and some absolutely brilliant music um not from Nobu Uematsu this time uh, but from one of the people who sort of took over from him and contributed some of the best Final Fantasy 10 tracks which is a guy called Masashi Hamatsu uh, who I think did a lot of the saga games I haven't played any of them but I've listened mm. to a fair few of those soundtracks and he's uh, less melodic than uh, Uematsu, I guess. By the time he comes to Final Fantasy, they're they're sort of on DVD uh, or Blu-ray format, and they've got space for as much, uh, you know, pre-recorded music as they want. They don't have to use sort of the PlayStation's or the the Super Nintendo's uh, sound chips like Uematsu mm. had to do with the NES or before that. Um, and, and Hamatsu is just just brilliant. I mean, he's he's I can't really. He can be experimental, uh, and some of his music can be quite weird and angular and and odd and not as kind of um, earnest and straightforward as Uematsu. Um, this particular track, uh, you sort of 
should uh, put your feet up and, and maybe have a nap too because it's it's kind of like um, some of Vangelis's stuff from Blade Runner which is my favorite soundtrack it's mm. very ambient very chilled out you know you could um, pour yourself a warm bath and listen to this on repeat and eventually you'd sort of drift off uh, so I really love it. And uh, it, the, the score for Final Fantasy Thirteen and actually the two sequels is well worth uh, listening to. Even if you can't stand the games, there's just some exceptional music there. OK, let's hear it. This is Mysteries Abound. Masashi Himaozu there with Mysteries Abound from Final Fantasy XIII, another JRPG which I understand more recently has uh, turned up on iOS and Android. It's in Japan so far, uh, possibly only, um, but it's some kind of crazy streaming technology um, that I don't understand, but um, that sounds interesting anyway. Um, presumably we're going to see more more big and powerful games on iOS and Android as those systems uh, continue to evolve. Um, yeah, I, I blows my mind a little bit. And but, maybe, uh, maybe the game will have found its real home on uh, <laughs> on those devices. If you only have to walk forward for the first uh, twenty five yeah. hours, that sort of suits it a bit better. Yeah, um, Final Fantasy is a series that we've had a number of requests to cover. Um, we've mentioned this before, but it's worth saying again. Um, 
obviously we 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 hear that and it's something we're interested in doing but it would be such a mammoth undertaking um we really hate doing things by by halves we don't like just jumping in in the middle necessarily but equally we we acknowledge that completing the early final fantasy games is going to be a real challenge so we're still unsure as to how to do it and whether we can actually find literally find the time for enough people to commit to completing all those games to to do that series but maybe someday um obviously it's it's remiss not to have some sort of final fantasy representation on the main cane and rinse podcast but um, we're working on it we're working on it now uh, next up is uh, another new contributor, I believe, uh, a wishy-washy who describes himself as a Sega boy at heart. Uh, and his request is from Sonic 3. He says, this game was Sonic at its peak, in my opinion, a stellar game and soundtrack. The switch to fully 3D Sonic games and more rock-oriented soundtracks kind of drove me away from the franchise. Uh, me too, wishy-washy. Though Sonic Generations was a great return to form, he says. I didn't know this back in 1994 when I played the game, but the composer of this particular track is credited as Brad Buxer. Who? Well, he worked with Michael Jackson around that time. The tune certainly has undertones of Stranger in Moscow, which was released two years after Sonic 3. Uh, so let's hear it. This is the ending from Sonic the Hedgehog 3 for the Mega Drive. <laughs> Thank you. 
indeed that whole tale uh, well worth seeking out the uh, video that is called Pop Fiction Season 4 Episode 39 Sonic 3 Michael Jackson um, and it will give you the whole uh, history um, of that uh, collaboration which was pretty much confirmed by someone from Sega Technical Institute some years after it happened that Michael Jackson was brought in to uh, compose most of the music for Sonic 3 um, but uh, his his uh, alleged scandals started to come to public light around that same period. And so uh, Sega quietly stepped away from that collaboration. And yet there are a number of tunes in that game that will be familiar to people who know Michael Jackson's work. It's a really interesting story anyway, but uh, too long for us to explain here. So seek it out on the internet. Coming up to the halfway point, and we have our next pick from guest, uh, Tom Quilfelt. What have you got for us? Right. Well, uh, I seem to be stuck in the late 90s in terms of most of my picks. Uh, and because uh, I think that's that's when I was a sort of uh, a teenager and Final Fantasy VII and Metal Gear Solid and, and some of these games were sort of really shaking my world. And I remember, especially with Metal Gear Solid, um, the anticipation for that was obviously gigantic, uh, especially... Um, sort of reading the magazines and seeing the the impossibly beautiful graphics in in uh, screenshots and things like that. So I think I got it on day one, um, mm-hmm. and I sat with a mate on my bedroom floor and played through it all in one go. Uh, something like twelve hours, just sat there with my mum occasionally oh. bringing us refreshments. Uh, we those must, were the days. Those were the days. Um, and uh, it just, it was the first, I remember it, it just really struck us. Uh, it showed, uh, you know, a generation of, of gamers that games could tackle adult themes uh, and compete with films in terms of production values. Obviously, uh, if you go and play it now, you might not think that it handles adult themes in such a mature way. And you might think the production values are absolutely rubbish, uh, certainly by modern standards. But just at the time, it just uh, totally rocked our world. Um, and a large part of that, I think, was the way that the game finishes on a real high. Um, it's it's see, it's sort of the ending credits play out to this beautiful, epic Gaelic song. 
Um, I think that's the first time with a video game I'd heard uh, a song play out the credits like with a film and it just made it seem more filmic, uh, more epic, more incredible and beautiful. And uh, that's the song I've chosen here. Yes, this is The Best Is Yet To Come.
surprised we haven't featured that before, if we haven't. Uh, but yes, it's uh, it's a famous piece by Rika Maranaka um, with uh, additional arrangement by Irish musician David Downs and the vocal by Aoife Ni Foray, I think I want to say that's the Very good, yeah, I have no idea. That's a good attempt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yes, we covered uh, Metal Gear Solid. We covered, in fact, the entire Metal Gear series as it was then, going all the way back to the MSX originals. Uh, in issue 28 of the main Kane and Rinse podcast, we did Metal Gear Solid and then we went on to do 2, 3, 4 uh, and Peace Walker as well. We haven't done 5 yet and it's not scheduled, but that game's far too new for us to cover. But some point, no doubt, Ground Zeroes and Phantom Pain will be caned and rinsed for the main podcast. Thanks for another lovely selection. Now, Tom, I've got a question before... Sure. Um, before I go on to our next community request, and that is uh, your surname's a rather remarkable beast, uh, Quill Felt. Yes. So the the felt looks germ, Germanic because it's got a D sl- slotted in there. Yeah. Uh, and a quill. Well, I, I I was you know some sort of feather pen. But uh, do you know the 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 etymology, the genesis of this yeah, of this name of yours? It's it's something like twelfth century Swedish. Uh, apparently great. my great, 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 something or other was a, was a knight, um, a, a farmer oh, knight. Uh, I think he was a Von Quilfelt. <laughs> uh, and at some point, it, oh man, at some point it I came. I can't believe you lost a Von. Well, I can't, I'm not the oldest son. Um, in theory, my dad uh, can call himself John Von Quilfelt, but he chooses not to, which I think is a real well, that's awesome. shame. Um, he that actually got, shame. and it came through Germany. So, so there's some German roots to it as well. And, um, some yeah. some genealogy person from Germany wrote to my dad and and sort of said, "Oh, here's your your Quillfelt coat of arms," and Dad wrote back nice. to him and said, "Oh, does there, is there a castle that comes with the title?" And unfortunately, <laughs> they didn't reply. But uh, I'm glad to hear there was a good you know there was a good story behind the name because uh, it, it's yeah it stood out to me. <laughs> uh, now. Track six uh, for this sound of play is from uh, our regular poster on the forum, Sean S. Thomas. I don't know what the S stands for. Maybe he'll tell us one day. Might be something cool. Maybe it's Sir. Maybe he's also a knight. I don't know. This uh, this pick, though, is from a, an, a mobile game, interestingly. This mobile title does the best job of capturing that sense of isolation and being trapped underground in a Tomb Raider title since the original, says Sean. I love the nods to the original's menu screen and the sparse, echoey sound effects, but it's the soundtrack that makes the experience for me. Barren and crystal clear in sharpness of sound, some levels sound like rocks crashing on the ground or water dripping off stalactites. There's more than a touch of Deus Ex Human Revolution's great score about this particular track, but that's no bad thing in my eyes. The game is worth playing purely to hear the other great pieces of music that shadow your journey. So this is by uh, a collective uh, in California called Pixel Audio and the track is called The Maze of Snakes.
That is very nice indeed. I uh, I am, yeah, uh, colour me surprised and impressed. I don't know why it is, because we've even had composers of Android and iOS music on this show, and it still surprises me when they have really <laughs> legitimately interesting and um, atmospheric soundtracks, which is, is terribly sort of old-fashioned prejudice of mine. Um, Not necessarily. Ab- I don't think it's the, mm. the platform. I think it's the fact that those projects, they're given so little, they're brought on so late, uh, or they True. have to do all the sound effects as well as the music, and they're just and and there's you know relatively little budget, so they're just sort of rushing to get everything mm. done. So uh, I think, as opposed to something like I don't know Alien Isolation or whatever, where the composers get like a full year and all the budget and the old yeah sure yeah I think uh, you you make a good point, but I think increasingly um, it's yeah it's it's unfair to assume that, um, you know, I, I suppose in my head I associate sort of mobile games with, yeah, kind of throwaway stuff or, or you know, half-considered, uh, yeah, sort of, you know, just catchy jingles designed to make you throw away your <laughs> throw your money into the app or whatever when actually as we know you know we've had people like dan rodriguez on the on the show um and these are these are talented musicians um and this is a another you know a place for them to to earn money by by making music and and you know not just doing it uh out of for pure mercenary reasons but actually you know making the best music they can make and uh and yeah i think that was a really good good example of that i haven't played lara croft go but uh but I could almost be tempted with that. I believe that soundtrack is available for free. I think Square Enix put it out on SoundCloud and you can get it at tombraiderchronicles.com. So, um, oh, I yeah, have to check that to out. Check. They also put out Rise of the Tomb Raider soundtrack for free before oh, okay. the game came out, which which I listened to and it was it was mostly complete rubbish. It just wasn't very good. It was I, I it maybe it works really well in the game. I haven't played it. I'm a I'm a PlayStation. I have played the game. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I don't, yeah, there was some, there was some, there was some decent bits, but there was nothing that I came away thinking I must, you know, I must hear that again. There, yeah. there are some, there, I think there's some quite cool sort of, um, sort of strident percussive bits that kind of went with the, went with certain scenarios in the game. But, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, much like the game itself from, from my perspective, it felt like, you know, rather, um, kind of generic AAA kind of product really um not not there's necessarily anything wrong with that but it didn't it didn't capture my heart or my imagination in in the way that something i like something too i think uh, tomb raider the original i really love that sean's mentioned uh the sense of isolation and being trapped Mm. because that's something that really appealed to me again mid 90s late 90s i I love those tomb raider games alongside the final fantasies just for their atmosphere I know that um, yeah. Nathan McCree, the the original mm. composer, still gets so much love on Twitter. I, every he's yeah. everywhere on Twitter. He's a, he's clearly spends all his day on it. But you just see so many people. He just retweets so many people giving him love for just the original game. Uh, so I think if they can, yeah, get back to that or try and capture that, people were very nostalgic. I think for that. Yeah, I think I I played uh, the original Tomb Raider theme by Nathan McCree on this podcast quite early on, and Sound of Play it was just such an obvious pick for me. Um, yeah, and I, I I recently just bought the insanely good value uh, Square Enix uh, Humble Bundle um, on PC, and that includes all the original the original three Tomb Raider games. So it's quite nice to have those on Steam again, even if I do never get round to actually playing them. 
The, the, the other thing about the original Tomb Raider, and you can cut this out if this is too much rambling, but um, I couldn't get my, my sound card to work properly when I played the original Tomb Raider on PC. So I had no sound effects, just the music. Oh, but right. also it's Red Book CD, so you could take the yeah. game and put it in a CD player. And, right. and 90% of, think of the tracks are just ambient, you know, sound effects. Yeah. Just like this heart, there's this track that's just this heartbeat and then weird sort of guttural noises off in the distance. It's, it's like nightmare juice, but it's really... Yeah, yeah brilliant if you're sort of you know curious teenager or whatever just um a, a really strong memory of that yeah i'd i'd, I'd um i got tomb raider first i got the original release on the saturn and, and then the P- ps1 version um but yeah re- thinking back to because uh, that game had really yeah the actual in-game sound was incredibly sparse it was just the odd you know the, the odd gun sound and like you know her uh, Lara's kind of grunts and stuff, but Red Red Book audio on CDs, just being able to stick um, things like Doom, the, the the Williams conversion of Doom for the PS One into a CD player, or Exhumed, and having all those amazingly, um, yeah, nightmarish soundscapes was always a, was Night, always a nights treat. into dreams, which I know is a, a favourite of yours. I used to play that on the CD player over and over again. That terrible brilliant song with the kids who are just completely yeah. out of tune yeah oh yeah i love i love the uh, instrumental version of that i heard yeah later. and there's the the acapella uh, adult version on uh, on the christmas nights as well <laughs> which is which is a treat uh now something uh, quite different from you this time um this is from the lucasarts stable and a game that's thankfully been thrust back into the limelight as of last year 2015 uh and this is uh, something a selection from grim fandango yeah, this is, I think, uh, something that I'm not sure whether this got redone for the remastered version. I'm not sure it did. It might have actually okay. just got remastered because they did it so well the first time. Um, and right. it's a proper jazz ensemble. So, again, back to the late 90s uh, with, with Grim Fandango. And I think I didn't play Secret Monkey Island or I think this was my first LucasArts right. adventure game. Mm. Uh, and the puzzles were just like rock hard uh, i remember staying up to like three in the morning just getting so stuck on a one puzzle uh, in rubicava with the wine and the cellar and you've got this forklift truck and it, and the, the music just looped endlessly we got so completely suck of uh, uh sick of it that i i think i fell in love with it uh through stockholm syndrome um yeah. but i'm just so glad that uh lucas arts you know had peter mcconnell on hand i think he'd worked there since 91 or something since yeah. um Secret of Monkey Island 2. But with Grim Fandango, I mean, they just let loose, creatively speaking. You know, they've they've got different types of ethnic music. They've got cool jazz for, for the year two section of that game. Um, and it's just it's just brilliant. And a lot of it's proper human performances played on real instruments with a real musical sensibility. And I think that really helps uh, with the kind of the looping nature of it in the adventure game because it's... Um, there's just subtleties in there that you don't get with uh, synthesized electronic music. Mm. And I'm a massive fan of Final Fantasy games, which is just endless loops, you know, uh, grinding out battles with the same loops of music going over. I must have driven my my parents mad with that stuff. But Grim Fandango, just brilliant soundtrack, uh, uh, top to bottom. Peter McConnell's a genius. I think he got his due with this remastered edition with a lot of sort of um you know video documentary stuff and really focusing yeah. on the work he did for it and i think he he thoroughly deserves all the the praise that came to him eventually i'm uh, i think it was maybe a bit underlooked at the time but i'm not really sure 
Mm. All right, let's hear it. Uh, some jazz with uh, with Peter McConnell and High Tone Fandango. Peter McConnell there. Um, if you're not familiar with his uh, extensive work for LucasArts, uh, a lot of uh, he uh, he was tasked with kind of interpreting, reinterpreting, and work and and uh, extrapolating upon John Williams' work for the uh, Star Wars X-wing and Tie Fighter series. Uh, he did a lot of those as well as the Jedi Knight games. Um, more recently, uh, he went on to the Sly Cooper games, the, the, that, uh, oh, that right. uh, rascally raccoon for Sucker Punch. Um, but he's kept his connections with Tim Schafer going, working on Psychonauts and Brutal Legend, Costume Quest and so on. So he's still very much active. Uh, and, yeah, real, a real talent and, and not a name that necessarily that, yeah, gets, gets shouted about all that much. I'm not sure why, as, as you say. One name that we do hear a lot of these days is Austin Wintry, uh, and uh, probably mainly to do with his uh, work on that game company's uh, journey, but also uh, he wrote the music for The Banner Saga. Goat Snake from the forum requests this, saying, Stoics, The Banner Saga is one of the most visually beautiful and memorable games I have ever played. So it's no mean feat that Austin Wintry's soundtrack leaves just as big an impression as the graphics. It perfectly captures the feel of a frozen and unforgiving landscape and the desperate struggle of the game's dwindling convoy of travellers. My favourite track on the soundtrack is the ten minute long of our bones, The Hills, which is probably too long for the podcast. So if you're looking for something shorter, here is Thunder Before Lightning.
Thunder before Lightning, very talented Austin Wintry. You a fan of Austin's work? I absolutely love uh, his work. I haven't listened to any of the Assassin's Creed Syndicate um, stuff or all the Banner Saga, actually, but I really loved Journey. And then mm. I went back to check out Flow and I really yeah. love, uh, with the, the piece I played earlier from Final Fantasy Thirteen, this sort of warm bath uh, sound, mm. uh, this Van Galis sound. I think Austin Winter, he does absolutely spectacular stuff on flow. So if you ever, if you ever you want to really chill out, you should um, check that out. And also he, I think he sells quite a lot of stuff on Bandcamp, sort of him, yeah. himself. He's one of these modern com- game composers who's smart. And I think because he works on sometimes smaller games, he gets the rights to sell his own stuff or, yeah. or at least um, is the retailer to, you know, really hardcore fans who, who come to Bandcamp and will buy uh, things like there's a there's a journey bonus bundle um recording where i think he does some he sort of mucks around with tunes from old soundtracks in the style of the new ones and and tunes from newer soundtracks in the style of the old mm. ones uh, so i think there's one called uh, journey via flow um and things like oh, that nice. on that so uh, it's it's really worth sort of digging into his stuff um it does a lot of variety and uh, he's just got an ear for a really beautiful melody. Mm, no doubt. Yeah. So the Banner Saga, uh, you can, it's been around for a, a year and a half or so now. Uh, you can get that on PC and Mac and iOS and Android. Um, yeah. Check it out. Also, remember to check out our forum at canerince.com. Uh, slash forum where you can request your favourites and we will continue to include a selection of those for each uh, regular Sound of Play podcast. Sometimes we have a composer on and we let them pick all nine, but I think you'll agree that's fair enough. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already, Sound of Play, as well as our uh, regular uh, games podcast, Cane and Rinse. And if you'd care to, do leave us a, re- a review or a rating on iTunes or wherever else you get the show from. That's great. Thank you. Uh, at this point, before we hear from him uh, and his last track, I'd like to thank our guest, Tom. Thanks for joining us, Tom. It's been fun. No problem. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, where can people seek out your blog, your Twitter and all that sort of stuff if you have these things? Uh, I think they can find me on Twitter at tquillfelt, but try spelling it. Uh, you'll have to put it in the show <laughs> notes. Okay. Try, try spelling it from a standing start. You won't be able to. Uh, there's a D in there, uh, surprisingly. Mm. Um, and yes, yeah, scummandeville.wordpress.com. It's a very early stages blog. I haven't been doing it for very long and I don't do it very often. It's not that great, but it's very idiosyncratic. So if you're a massive games music nerd, which I guess you are if you've listened this deep into Sound of Play 32, um, mm. yeah, maybe check it out. I, I've... Uh, done a series when I started listening to game soundtrack music it suddenly occurred to me I think sometime around Napster time that I could download the Final Fantasy music and have it on my computer Mm. and since then I've just been um, uh, sorting the music into different moods for some weird reason I think it's a boy thing where you just like to label stuff (laughs) you know with iTunes you can just label stuff and put it in playlists and stuff like that so I, I came up with these 18 different moods of soundtrack music um and and i've gone through must have gone through ten thousand tracks by now uh just listening for pleasure and sorting them into things so i decided to blog about that so uh yeah on my blog there's a, a whole series going through each mood and with sort of a top 10 to 15 selections from each of them and a bit of blurb on my favorite four or five 
Great, and it's been going slightly over a year now, but uh, with the, the imminent arrival, the aforementioned imminent arrival, we wonder how much time you'll have to, to keep that up over the next few months. But who knows, you might be sitting there cradling yeah, uh, a sleeping band. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know this has happened to uh, to friends of mine, gaming friends of mine, when they've when they've procreated, that they've actually found that although the, you know, maybe you won't get the, the long run at, at things like you did, you might get sporadic moments of gaming and gaming-related matters that you didn't get before because you weren't up at 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> things like that. So uh, good, good luck with all that. When's that, when's that happening? That's happening, uh, uh, hopefully, because it's a conversation yes. point, it'll happen on uh, uh, February 29th. Okay. Oh, ah, cheaper yeah. for birthday presents, I think. Yes, one every four. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that. Thanks and very much. Uh, for your last selection, you've brought one of my uh, personal favourites to the table, so I'm very pleased with this. We'll leave people slightly chilled, but also slightly warmed. Yeah. <laughs> what What is it you love about this one? So I, I like I said, with the sort of um, subcategorization and the moods stuff that I've been blogging about, I'm a, I'm a big fan of what i call subgenres but i guess by but gamers would know what i'm talking about when i say this so for instance stealth game electronica as a yeah. subgenre which is metal gear solid i guess typifies that or epic orchestral world map music from jrpgs which you know is final fantasy mainly but Nino Kuni uh, and other, loads of other JRPGs. Uh, one of my favourite of these subgenres uh, is save room music, um, yes. particularly from the Resident Evil series. <laughs> yeah, um, because it's just so distinct. You can just you just know you hear a piece of music, and within ten, you know five seconds, you know yeah that that's that's perfect blend of kind of spooky ambient. Uh, uh, synthesized stuff slightly weird pitch shifted stuff and it makes you feel um, anxious and uneasy but you feel slightly safe because there's well, there might be zombies straight outside the room but in here with your um, uh, your save ribbon and typewriter and your your weird box that transports guns through space and time um, you're safe just for the moment and it, and they just nailed those tunes from from Resi One onwards. I don't know about Resi Six or some of the spin-offs, but um, oh yeah, they, mm. they are absolutely fantastic. Every game, um, you know, whether you're in a mansion or a police station or a laboratory, or whatever. Uh, and I think my favourite is Resident Evil Four because it's uh, even though there's only a few kind of typical save rooms in that, there's also typewriters spread amongst. Um, other areas of the game and obviously it's an action game so it's a bit differently paced from the early ones i just absolutely love this this cue uh, i think it's brilliant yeah there are uh, there are youtube uh, videos dedicated to compiling all the various um resident evil uh, safe tunes and i indeed i wrote a uh, a blog piece about my uh, my fandom of uh, of Resident Evil safe from music as well so yeah we've got <laughs> definitely got that in common so we'll leave you with this uh, reminding you that we covered uh, Resident Evil 4 back in Kane and Rince issue 2 so if you do listen to that one you haven't before don't be too harsh on us we were just finding our feet um, Resident Evil 4 may well be the first game that we cover a second time but uh, that's for the future uh, so yes until next time thanks again to Tom and we'll leave you with this uh, spooky stuff Serenity by Shusak oh, Shus <laughs> Shusaku I'll try that again <laughs> that's a really hard name I'm normally alright at these Shusaku Uchiyama that's, yeah and Misao Senbongi yeah, yeah. <laughs>